1: this week on Viewpoints.
2: Why should it be the case that somebody who earns $50,000 and has to work hard for it should pay taxes, but somebody who's given $50,000 or $50 million pays no taxes on it?
1: The policies that are only furthering the great wealth imbalance then.
2: We
3: really don't value this job, even though it is so important to families and with our aging population.
0: The caregiver crisis in the U.S. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm
1: Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. At Napa, when it
4: comes to serving you, our motor never quits. And when it comes to getting you the part you need when you need it, with next day delivery or same day pickup, our motor never quits. And when it comes to making a difference in our local communities by hosting fundraisers and food drives, our motor never quits. And when it comes to telling you our motor never quits, yep, you guessed it, our motor never quits. That's Napa know-how. Same day
5: pickup and next day delivery available at participating stores and on in-stock items only. With round-the-clock protection at a great price, your Progressive policy works the way it's supposed to, unlike this unenthusiastic hype man. Okay, everybody, let's
6: make some noise. Put your hands up. We're not. It's your call. Here we go
5: now. Here we go. Switch to Progressive today. It is electric in here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates.
1: What does the term dynasty mean to you? Many people hear the word and think of ancient ruling families abroad or even American political dynasties like the Kennedys or the Bushes. But there are also incredibly wealthy business dynasties that have prospered across generations. Take the Walton family, for instance, who own Walmart. The Waltons are the richest family in the U.S. and, as of last year, are worth almost $250 billion. From 1983 to 2020, their wealth grew by more than 4,000%, as reported by the Institute for Policy Studies, a nonprofit center based in Washington, D.C. Within this category, there are several names that people may not be as familiar with. The Newhouses, the Duncans, the marshalls Yet all of these business dynasties hold immense power and are worth billions and billions of dollars. We focus a lot on sort of the new wealth, the Bezos and the
6: Elon Musks, but there are these persistently wealthy families in the United States, and we identified 50, whose combined wealth is $1.2 trillion. And they've seen their wealth accelerate the ones that have been on the list, about half of them have been on the list since 1983. They've seen their wealth increase by over 1,000 percent, an increase from about $80 billion to almost $903 billion
1: just in about 37 years. That's Chuck Collins, the director of the Program on Inequality at the Institute for Policy Studies and co-author of a new report highlighting inherited wealth dynasties, and the increasing imbalance of wealth distribution in the U.S. He says that the affluence of the ultra-rich has grown at an incredible rate, especially during the pandemic. The median wealth of these dynastic families has gone up over a thousand percent, so ten times more than the ordinary family. And with money comes power, including the power to politically lobby in favor of tax laws that benefit the rich. Collins says that several of these billionaire families invest heavily in personnel to protect and grow their nest eggs. They hire professional lobbyists,
6: they hire wealth managers to protect and hide their money, essentially. So yeah, one of the things we found is that these are engaged families. The second and third and fourth generations are very engaged politically in defending their wealth and sending off taxes. Unlike most people who pay our taxes, we have our taxes taken out of our paycheck every pay period. These folks have lots of opportunities to sort of hide and miscategorize their money in different ways to avoid taxes. One way that
1: the top 1% can elude taxation is through charitable giving. Dr. Ray Madoff is an expert on how the rich commonly allocate money into charities and foundations to avoid income tax, capital gains tax, and estate or gift taxes. Madoff is a professor at the Boston College Law School, where she's an expert on philanthropy policy, taxes, property, and estate planning. She breaks down this system by giving an example of a private foundation created from a hundred million dollar donation.
2: The only obligation on that private foundation is that it distribute at least five percent of its assets each year, so let's say five million dollars each year. However. That $5 million payout obligation can be met by things like paying salaries to family members or paying for trips for foundation meetings in exotic locales, right? Everybody goes to Hawaii for the meeting. That can count towards your 5%. In addition, that 5% payout requirement can also be met simply by giving the money to a donor-advised fund where there's no further payout requirement. So the donor simply has to move the money from one account to another and can still maintain ongoing control. So what this means is that we've given significant public investment into this charitable vehicle, but we have no assurance of any immediate or even long-term public benefit.
1: So what needs to be done to ensure that a private foundation isn't just acting as an empty entity for the donor's benefit?
2: There's currently a bill that has been introduced by Senators King and Grassley designed to address just this problem by basically saying that you can't meet your 5% payout obligation by paying family members or paying travel expenses for family members or giving to a donor advised fund. All of these payments can be made, but they can't be used to satisfy the 5% payout requirement. In addition, under this bill, reasonable payout rules are imposed on donor-advised funds. So basically, if a donor wants to get all those maximum tax benefits up front, they have to agree to spend those funds within 15 years.
1: Madoff highlights that the ultimate goal of these tax incentives is to make it easier for foundations to produce results that better society. And there are many private foundations and wealthy individuals that do exactly this, Collins points to Mackenzie Scott, the ex-wife of billionaire Jeff Bezos, who has already given away $8.5 billion of her fortune to hundreds of organizations. She's an example of she's not building a dynasty. She's not
6: building a big private foundation that will live for generations. She's not thinking dynastically. And there are examples in our report of people who, for various reasons, they paid their taxes. They gave a lot of money to charity. They gave their legacy to charity instead of to their
1: children. However, on the other end of the spectrum, there are billionaires that are solely focused on building generational dynasties through the use of inheritance trusts.
2: One thing that few Americans are aware of is that inheritances pass entirely free of income taxes. So if one person earns $50,000 and another person inherits $50 million, the person that earns $50,000 will pay taxes, but the person who inherits $50 million won't pay any taxes because we entirely exempt property received by gifts and inheritance from our tax system. In addition, if somebody invests in a business and it goes way up in value, that, too, is entirely exempt from tax. Those gains are not taxed unless the property is actually sold. But nobody has to sell the property. They can simply borrow against the property and get all of the value that they need. And then, upon death, those gains are wiped away under current rules because we have something called a step-up in basis of death, which basically erase those gains.
1: All of these exemptions disproportionately benefit the rich and only further wealth inequality in our country. Madoff says there have been discussions under President Biden's administration around tightening these inheritance trust laws.
2: Why should it be the case that somebody who earns $50,000 and has to work hard for it should pay taxes, but somebody who's given $50,000 or $50 million pays no taxes on it?
1: The U.S. is known as a nation of equal opportunity. But if the system is unfairly rigged to benefit the rich, this imbalance between the billionaire class and everyone else will only continue to grow. We should be concerned generally about an economy that creates
6: lots of billionaires, because that means that a lot of society's wealth is funneling upward. And at the same time, here we have, you know, half the population has almost no savings, no financial reserves. Wages have been stagnant, or falling for decades. Finally, we're starting to see wages go up a little bit. But the fact that the number of billionaires is growing is not really a positive sign. It's not a healthy sign
1: for our society. To find out more about this topic and the IPS Inherited Wealth Dynasty Report, visit ViewpointsRadio.org. You can also learn more about both of our guests, Chuck Collins and Dr. Ray Madoff, by visiting our site. For more behind the scenes, search Viewpoints Radio on Twitter and Facebook. This segment was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. Studio production by Jason Dickey. I'm Gary Price.
0: Coming up, better understanding the senior health care crisis in the U.S. when Viewpoints returns.
7: COVID-19 vaccines are rolling out and many Americans are looking forward to getting back to normal. However, chronic stress of the past year can impact memory, mood and anxiety. So during June, Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month, the Alzheimer's Association reminds you to make brain health a priority. Beth Kallmeyer, Vice President of Care and Support for the Alzheimer's Association, has tips to restore mental well-being. First, think about recommitting to brain-healthy basics, like regular exercise, a heart-healthy diet, and getting plenty of sleep. Try to unplug from technology every night. Do what you can to manage your own stress, especially if you're a caregiver for a person living with Alzheimer's or dementia. And return to normal at your own pace by taking small steps and setting boundaries. Kallmeyer says it also helps the brain to help others by volunteering in your community. For example, by supporting the Alzheimer's Association's The Longest Day event, June 20th. Find out more about Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month at ALZ.org. The thing about
5: the home and auto bundle from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the home and auto bundle from Progressive. We don't even need the words the home and auto bundle anymore to tell you that you could save big with a ring-tailed lemur from Progressive. Or that every hot peach cobbler comes with round-the-clock service and protection. And that's the thing about the goat with magic powers. You've heard a lot of ads about the sushi in Vancouver. See how much you could save with the home and auto bundle. <clears throat> with the shaman in the jungle. From Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.
6: Napa
4: know-how. Celebrate Dad all month at Napa with the Evercraft 100-piece screwdriver set for 19.99. dollars To a regular person, that might seem like an excessive number of screwdrivers. But to Dad, that's just being prepared. Like buying a paper map in case the GPS goes rogue. That's the Evercraft 100-piece screwdriver set for 19.99. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa Know How. Napa
6: Know How
4: at participating locations while supplies last. Offer ends six thirty twenty one.
0: Walking up a flight of stairs, grabbing a meal from the microwave, taking a bath—these are all everyday tasks that are easy to do. Until one day we begin to struggle. The eventual reality of getting older and needing extra help can be a hard pill to swallow. And it can take a toll on not just the person experiencing these hardships, but also the people close to them.
7: The adult children are stepping in. They're changing from full-time to part-time. They're moving in with their parents. Their parents are moving in with them. And it's, what I see happening is that the children that are taking care of their parents are using the money that they've saved and the investment in their work life into their parents so they will have less financial resources to live on themselves in addition to it's very, very stressful taking care of an older adult.
0: That's Amy O'Rourke, a senior health care expert and care manager with more than 40 years of experience in the field. She's also the author of the book, The Fragile Years. O'Rourke frequently works with families struggling through this period, helping to guide them through potential solutions and resolve disagreements about care between family members.
7: You can pull on the skills of a care manager, which is a profession that helps guide adult children in their journey with their parents, but it becomes a lot to juggle in systems that are complicated. Hospitals are complicated nursing homes are complicated, home care is complicated, in addition to all the financial, Medicare, Medicaid, et cetera. It's a lot to learn and very stressful and exhausting.
0: When it comes to finding the right hands-on care, in-home help is typically the preferred method. The client can receive assistance in a familiar place without moving and uprooting their life. However, this option is not feasible for many families. Private help can be expensive, hard to retain long-term, and demand can frequently outpace the supply. You'd assume that more people are heading into this field as the need grows, but Dr. Susan Chapman says there are several deterrents. Those jobs
3: specifically are not highly valued or rewarded in our society, so there's a lot of turnover. It's very strenuous physical work. There's a high risk and incidence of injury, There's often very little training. The pay is very low. Often these workers have to rely on public benefits just to support themselves. There are no benefits like many other workers have in the healthcare sector.
0: Chapman is a professor in the Department of Social and Behavioral Sciences at the University of California, San Francisco School of Nursing. She argues that direct care workers, whether helping clients at home or in a shared facility, must receive better pay, benefits, and treatment. Their role is essential and is no easy feat. It requires skill, patience, understanding, and the day-to-day care can be emotionally and physically taxing. Yet more times than not, we don't value this work enough to pay a living wage.
3: I would say the range is from minimum wage, federal and state minimum wages, And $15 an hour would be considered a pretty top wage for these workers, often.
0: Even during the pandemic, which severely affected nursing homes, many employees received no hazard pay and little understanding from management.
3: During COVID, we had huge outbreaks in nursing homes and a higher incidence of COVID infections and deaths among residents and staff. Yet staff still had to go to work often work without adequate personal protective equipment there wasn't any sick time often there wasn't any hazard pay and so staff got ill too yet they kept having to come to work often because they're often living in poverty we're living in areas of high infectious rates in housing that was often crowded and having to take public transportation so where there are a number of factors that increase the risk for these workers overall, and then they still have to go to work because they you know, need the money and they don't have
0: any benefits. And the cycle continues today. Low wages, ill treatment, and a lack of recognition and respect all feed into extremely high rates of turnover in the direct care sector that employs about 4.5 million workers. This frequent turnover creates instability and negatively affects older adults, requiring reliable long-term help. In the coming years, as demand increases and the workforce stays stagnant, Chapman says it's a grim picture if we continue on this same path.
3: I think we'll move more toward a two- or 3 tiered system where the wealthy will always be able to afford the best. The middle class will be in jeopardy and maybe using all their assets to afford anything. And low-income folks will get the worst care.
0: So what solutions can counteract this crisis? The first step is shifting to a model that better supports and acknowledges workers. Particularly if we look at other
3: countries where there's more a social care model of care. Workers are paid equally depending on what their setting is. Smaller facilities, more home-like facilities, different kinds of approaches to care and different approaches to treating workers. So we're not in the dark here. We just need to do it. There are models out there. They just haven't been
0: scaled up. Both Chapman and O'Rourke agree that the government funding for elderly care is there but is not properly allocated. Sometimes more Medicaid funding falls into the pockets of nursing home owners instead of backing livable wages for employees. In other instances, there's excess funding for end-of-life care, while other areas, like long-term in-home care, are severely
7: lacking. We spend $365 billion at the end-of-life care, meaning, you know, the last few weeks of life. And I would tell you that Those funds could be used for in-home care, that a lot of it is crisis and hospital-driven monies. So I think step one would be reallocating the dollars into settings that older adults want, meaning at home as opposed to hospital reimbursed care.
0: Another barrier that impedes in-home care are limitations on who can receive Medicaid funding for certain types of services. A lot of health care is siloed.
7: You know, you have hospitals and you have hospice companies and you have Medicare home care companies, you have private duty home care companies. I think that there is a way to say, for example, take hospice companies and allow different entities to provide hospice care. So a nursing home could provide hospice services, a caregiving agency could provide hospice services, and that would reallocate dollars from the Medicare program to in-home care. And I think we could also take some of the nursing home reimbursement to the facilities and reimburse the children, the adult children that are taking care of the parents instead of the nursing home getting paid. If adult child is quitting their job, why aren't we reallocating those dollars to the daughter who's quit her job to take care of her mother rather than putting her in a nursing home? So I think there's a lot of opportunity for creative financing here. Similar
0: to maternity or paternity leave, O'Rourke says there should be paid leave if a child or spouse needs to step in and take care of an aging person. This is becoming more common, as private in-home care becomes more expensive and harder to hold on to. In addition, many children and spouses also rely on secondary resources, like adult daycare.
7: Adult daycare, it varies state to state, but it is a good option for some that need a break during the day. The person that's medically needing it, and then like the well person, the sick sick person—I don't know how to say it better—and they can go somewhere for the day and get the medical care they need, and they can get a couple meals and get stimulated by the various activities programs. And it's a little more cost effective. The, the daily cost can range anywhere from sixty dollars a day to maybe one hundred and fifty dollars a day. So you can do it once a week, or you can do it five days a week. So it's a nice and they also have daycare centers for those with memory impairments. You just have to look in your local area for what kind of daycare programs are available. But it's a good way to give respite care for both parties.
0: While there are several resources out there to help bolster care, the main infrastructure is broken. In order to decrease turnover, direct care workers need to be recognized for their work and receive greater pay and benefits. Part of this means more government funding placed into services like private in-home help. Aging Americans are already suffering from this care crisis, and millions more shouldn't be left to fend for themselves after a lifetime of contributing to society. But sadly, without action, this issue is only set to get worse. To find out more about this topic and our guests, Amy O'Rourke and Dr. Susan Chapman, visit ViewpointsRadio.org. This segment was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. Studio production by Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson.
1: Viewpoints returns in just a
4: moment. Men with an enlarged prostate, also known as BPH, often experience urinary symptoms that significantly impact their quality of life. In a recent survey sponsored by Teleflex, nearly half of men with urinary symptoms said their urgent and frequent need to urinate makes them avoid activities they enjoy. 70% said their daytime energy level is impacted by having to urinate frequently at night. Dr. Greg Ewer of Urology of Virginia. More than 65% of men with BPH in this survey have tried medication for it, but nearly a quarter say it didn't help reduce their need to plan their next bathroom trip. Fortunately, there's a proven option for BPH called the Urolift system that can provide rapid symptom relief while preserving sexual function and can be performed in a doctor's office. Most side effects are mild to moderate, serious bleeding and infection events are rare, results may vary. Dr. Ura is a paid consultant of Teleflex. Visit Urolift.com today for a urologist near you and see if the Urolift system procedure is right for you.
8: Welcome to Culture Crash, where we examine what's new and old in entertainment. Bo Burnham is a comedian of the millennial generation. As someone who was in high school back in 2007 and 2008, I actually grew up watching Bo Burnham's comedy with my friends on YouTube. As he aged, we all aged, and he started making Netflix specials and eventually directed the film Eighth Grade. One of the fascinating things about growing up on Burnham has been watching him conquer the YouTube world and then almost fully reject it. In his 2016 comedy special, Make Happy, Burnham talked at length about the dangers of social media, calling it a prison and urging viewers to live their lives without an audience. And then he, for the most part, followed his own advice largely abandoning his Twitter profile as well as his YouTube account. Then, a few weeks ago, Burnham announced a new comedy special, which has since launched on Netflix. It's called Inside, and Burnham wrote, performed, filmed, and edited it himself in one room during the COVID-19 pandemic. The special is unlike any other comedy special I can recall, in that he is literally performing without an audience. Inside is equal parts hilarious and heartbreaking, which I know sounds strange for a so-called comedy special, but, well, welcome to 2021. Burnham talks about his anxiety and depression, and he even uses his platform to atone for some of the offensive things he said back in the 2000s on his YouTube page. Again, following the arc of so many Millennials, Burnham has found himself emphasizing mental health support and wanting to change the world for the better. Burnham's journey to Inside has been long and successful, but Inside sees him perform at his most vulnerable and arguably at his best. It's definitely worth watching for a lot of laughs and a lot of introspection. Bo Burnham's Inside is now streaming on Netflix. I'm Evan Rook.
0: Bodega, 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 Alpha and Omega. Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. wing about a servine platter. Hey, Jamie.
5: Yes. Did did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh, yeah, let's see. Uh, You could say big when you bundle your home and auto with progressive, that one? Yes. Yeah, no, I'm just not
7: warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long.
5: Detector test. Bundle your out- home and auto with Progressive decent. today. The Marmot mangled by Mushu Pork Pancake. Progressive and Casualty on- Insurance Company and Affiliates.
6: Napa Know
4: How. Some things just go better together, like a five quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil and a Platinum Filter for $26.48. It's like bacon and eggs, hot dogs and mustard, or Joni and Chachi. Ask your dad about it. That's Napa Full Synthetic and a Platinum Filter for $26.48. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how.
6: Napa know-how.
4: General States pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state, local taxes, or recycling fees. Offer ends 6 21